0: Hey, hey, everyone, welcome back to everything with Ali Levine, guys, I have such incredible guest with me, I have the fabulous Andrea Donnelly and you guys she is something else let me tell you I recently had a reading with her and I still feel like I'm integrating and understanding and not understanding and still just figuring it all out and taking it all in it's been so wild she's such a bright light and so much fun we had such a cool chat I'm so excited to have her on my show. I want to tell you guys a little bit about her. So Andrea is known as the intergalactic fairy godmother. Okay, guys. So if you're not sitting down for this episode, I uh, recommend you probably do. This is going to get intense and fun and probably very much into other realms and Really going to kind of shake things up, which you guys know I'm all about. So just a little heads up on that. And she's a celestial mentor and angelic alchemist and quantum sound and energy healer. She works with clients on an intuitive level by utilizing her psychic gifts to quantum heal traumas, unlock new psychic abilities, integrate peace into your life, as well as uncover your soul's mission and purpose, which is totally her sweet spot. So you guys, I mean, I, I could say so much about her. I want her to share her story of how at an early age, you know, she knew she was different from other kids and her abilities. So Andrea, welcome to my show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so
1: excited to be here. Um, I am just, I, yeah, I, I, I have. So I, I will tell you more about my story, but I have to just tell you one thing, Allie, which is that I, so, you know, I went to FIT as you did yeah, and I have... I feel like talking to you is just this apex moment of like all of my nerdy interests and my pop culture and like the angels and the aliens, like you <laughs> managed to merge all of the things that I most dearly love in this world. So to say I'm excited about our conversation is a huge understatement. And uh, oh, yeah, I love I it. So, yeah. So my, when I, um, from an early age, I was just a little weirdo and I'm from central Massachusetts and they, my family was very much a family of unusual people. My, my family is all very psychic on my mom's side all Irish had that like real deep just intuitive knowing but you know with many families right we see the effect of religion and all of this like the impact of colonization on this planet and so i wouldn't say that um anyone what th- there was interest in the spiritual for sure but my own Experience with it really started from a very young age. And it was really personal. Like, I, even though my family was in some ways open to the spiritual stuff, there was a lot that I experienced that I didn't have the words to articulate to other people. I've always been super psychic. I always knew, like, when I was really little, there were moments where my mom would have to be like, Dial it back, friend. <laughs> like you're, it's, you're it's telling people <laughs> too many things about themselves, you know? So I had to really like learn and get in tune with all of it. Um and I had what amounts to like a 40-year-long dark night of the soul. Um, I'm 42 now and I had the funny life. I had a very big destiny, which didn't really make a lot of sense, especially when I was like having a really rough time for a lot of my life. You, you know, I've lived through crazy trauma—the death of a parent at a very young age. Um, my, our, my family was very disconnected from the rest of, like, both my mom and my dad's side. It was a not. It was not an easy life that I've lived. I've had debilitating chronic pain. I've been disabled. I've been very poor. I have experienced, I've been in car accidents. I've I've, like, I've nearly drowned. I've lived a lot of life. Um, and the one thing that my guides told me from the time I was little was that no matter what happened to me, I had to basically keep my heart as light as a feather. Um, there is a, uh, not Disney, um, Sesame Street movie where Big Bird gets stuck in the Met overnight and meets an Egyptian boy who's trapped in the Met or has been trapped on Earth, rather, for thousands of years. And through this whole experience of like trying to reunite him with his star parents, it's a really surreal movie. Um, They end up in this place where Big Bird has shown that the way that you get to move forward, like beyond this life is to keep your heart as light as a feather. And when I watched that, what I now understand to be my like very robust, amazing team of guides uh, said to me, that is what you have to do. No matter what happens to you in your life, that is what you have to do. So I've always understood the big truths Um, and I, and I feel like that's really in so many ways, like my greatest gift. And it's what carried me through a lot of really, really, really rough times.
0: Wow. I mean, so much there. And so when you, you know, I guess when you started realizing you really had, these gifts and even with your family being very much of having their own gifts as well. And like you said, they even still were like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Like, yes, we know we have this. And yes, we know this is real, but like you're being a little intense. Like, what was that like for you when you say, you know, you were a kid and you very much knew at a very young age, you know, you were kind of out there and different, clearly a star seed, you know, like what was that experience like for you? And, and what did you do to, tap into those abilities at a young age because when we were chatting, you know, um, when you did my reading, you shared with me that at a young age you were already picking up on your abilities. You know, you did not shove them aside, you know, you did not pretend you didn't have them. I mean, I feel like there's so many people who, you know, even myself included, I feel, um, who shoved a lot of stuff to the side when I was young because it wasn't of the quote unquote norm and it wasn't status quo and it wasn't the box you were supposed to stay in, you know, or, I mean, or leave, you know, the bottom and, and so I feel like so many people stay in that box and you clearly didn't, you always chose to kind of be out of that box, even at a young age. And I guess that's probably why I love fashion so much as I always felt like I could come outside of the box and step outside and do what I need to do, you know, and, and really express myself in such a creative way. But I'm curious for you, Andrea, like, what was that like? And, and can you tell us a little bit more about kind of your childhood and realizing you had these gifts?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: You know, it's funny that you
1: say the thing about fashion because fashion, uh, so I was always, always obsessed with clothing. I was the kid who I carried around. I loved art. I loved fashion. My mom did not care about that at all, but my grandmother really really loved it. Um, My family at one time had a lot of resources. And when my great grandfather passed away, my grandmother the first like re- the first and like only giant extravagant thing that she had done for herself because he had uh, he had done quite well for himself but he was real tight with the purse strings he was an immigrant he had come here from Aaron the Aran Islands when he was 14 he walked across Ireland by himself like one of the just crazy stories about coming here because there was no opportunity for him and he um And the the first thing she bought was an ankle length Christian Dior mink jacket, that had a silk lining with her name embroidered on the inside of it. So she was a really elegant, beautiful woman. And it was really, it was in a lot of ways, the art and the music and the books and those things that really helped to like save me and help me understand, like, to your point, fashion was a way i was always we we did not have um we used to do a lot of thrift shopping when i was little and i would always go for the weirdest stuff, like the brightest stuff, the wackiest stuff. And I had a really, really good eye. Like I had an impeccably good eye. I would not say that it was always well-received. I was very fashion forward for central Massachusetts (laughs) in the early 1980s. I went to kindergarten once wearing like knee-high fluorescent orange socks, patent leather Mary Janes, a mini skirt that was made out of black velvet. And then the coup de gras, which I thought was like the coolest thing I had ever found newsflash everyone was like you look insane <laughs> but I had this little patchwork vest that was like little patchwork it was like I don't even understand the things you could find in thrift stores in the 80s just don't the internet kind of ruined that in a lot of ways but um so I started talking about fashion but uh, as a way right like what I what I was really able to do in a lot of ways was channel my creativity and those ways of, of, of being able to see bigger than other people into academics and into achievement and into these other ways. Like I, I definitely had a lot of weird experiences as a kid. Um, I was very smart, but I was also, like I said, super into fashion and I, um, And just, I had like a lot of varied interests and I always loved everybody. Like that was partly also, I think how I like, I was a very, I was really nerdy, but I was well liked because I was genuinely interested in people and I could always like see a lot about people. So I was able to understand like What you know, I I, in some ways that pattern can be codependent, but in other ways, because I could always see so much about people, it made it easier for me to like relate to people and understand that like we're all really just trying to do the same thing. Um, So I don't know that answered your question, but that was in a lot of ways it was the art, it was the reading, those were the ways that I was able to really like channel that because the world was not ready. And I wouldn't say my family was either. They, there were some ways that like, my mom used to take my sister to go to the, these, like this thing that was a, what was it? You would like learn how to read tea leaves and things like that. But I wasn't, I didn't go with them. And so there were ways that like, it was kind of fostered not necessarily for me. There was a lot of like, there was, a, there was the spirit in my family. And I, I want to just say, I love them very much, but as with many families that have a lot of intergenerational trauma and drama, one of the things that happened was that there was a a bit of a spirit in my family of like, if something is going well for someone, it's someone else's expense, as opposed to realizing that like, when someone thrives, everyone thrives. And like people from families often have very similar gifts and talents. And, you know, that's part of the beauty, right? And like why you're born into a family is to potentially like help foster that. So I I would say I had to like keep it to myself in a lot of ways, but because I always had such a wonderful connection to my guides, I I always had that Validation, Like they were always there to be like, yes, do this thing. No, don't do this thing. Like, here's what you, you know, there was just this way that I was always able to really foster it. And I thought of it as praying. I always just thought of it as praying. I like, I'm, I had conversations with God all the time and I didn't understand. It took me time to realize that like, that was not what other people were doing, <laughs> <laughs> like one of those, you know, that way, we're like, I think we all kind of have to learn that like our gifts are our gifts and not everybody can do the things that we can do. So it also took a lot of trial and error of like learning also like what I could say and what I couldn't say, putting my foot in my mouth a lot, telling people things about themselves that like they don't even necessarily know. It was like a lot of that for many years. And then I started to get more spiritually attuned I learned how to meditate in high school. And I started to realize that I had always been meditating. I was like, oh, I get it. Like this thing that people are doing, like I had always had trouble sleeping from the time I was a little kid. I never took naps in elementary school or, you know, in kindergarten or nursery school, I could never sleep. And so, but I also knew very quickly that you didn't want to be the kid who wasn't sleeping. (laughs) So I would just, lay there quietly and I would just think and like talk to my guides and pray. And um so I always had a very, very deep spiritual experience. Um I'm sorry, one of my cats is making a bunch of noise. Um, oh no worries. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So so yeah, it was a long journey that started very young. And I really appreciate the spiritual stuff because it it really did save me.
0: It's interesting, you know, a lot of people I feel, I know for me, when I went through kind of my spiritual awakening and had, you know, my whole postpartum depression experience and really fell heavy into meditation, I really feel meditation saved me in more ways than one. And it's really interesting when you talk to so many different people that have this kind of same awakening, have these same kind of conversations, even if their journeys are different and their stories are different many people I've realized I've spoken to also have said meditation and prayer and, you know, connecting with their guides has led them to realize like, wow, this saved me in more ways than one. And, you know, I think that's so powerful and incredible. You spoke about, you know, that you went through a lot of crazy, you know, wild, different experiences as a kid. Could you share maybe one or two that made something kind of crazy or like how you knew that you know you were different that you had gifts like besides the fact of course you were talking to God and your guides at a very young age which is incredible because right so many of us don't have the hindsight to do that or even understand when we're you know praying in a sense where someone's telling us to pray we're not really understanding how we're praying and connecting so what was that like for you and like what would an experience be that you could share that was kind of wild or you know something I don't know just whatever comes to mind Yeah.
1: All right. I have to, I can be so much of a talker. I'm going to just be so quick with these. Uh, One, we were on a trip. I always talked to animals. I could always, chant. I always channeled light language and I always thought of it in my own head as elegant gibberish or like a Muppet language. Like I literally called it a Muppet tongue in my own head. And I knew that it was something I knew that it was something that when I like would say when I would talk it to animals I also channeled a ton of light language before we got on this call so like I knew that this was going to be an amazing conversation because I was like couldn't stop um and I ha- we were in a public park when I was little and I announced to my mom and my aunt that I was going to go catch a pigeon and they were like uh, You know, whatever. And I came back. I was four, I think I was four. I came back with a pigeon in my hands, and they were like, "What are you doing? Like, go with that bird right now! Like, where did you get this bird?" And I was like, "I mean, I said I was gonna go catch a pigeon. Like, I was like, what's? What are we not? Having I mean, I said I was gonna catch a pigeon. Like, I said I was." <laughs> I was and so and I had done it because I just I don't know why like said something to the bird I was like oh I just want to like pick you up and hold you and you're my friend whatever some such thing with light language and a couple years later we were on a vacation in Florida and my my grandma lived there and so she had brought us down to go on vacation we were in a park and there was an egret who had gotten a hook stuck in its eye and it was a whole thing where like the rangers were trying to calm the bird down to get it to a vet and i had had we had had the pigeon incident and so <laughs> my mom knew that i could help and so she said to the rangers she was like you know sh- i think she can actually like help this situation i know you know you may not realize this third grader is going to be the key to success here and uh they were like well we're having no luck so sure you know whatever And I went up to the bird and I I started whispering light language to them. And I was able to wrap my arms around the bird and the bird calmed down enough and they were able to get it, the medical attention, they were able to get it to the vet. And nobody really, even I... I like almost didn't even as a grown up I was like did I really just that a real thing that happened to me and my grandmother was like yes that is a crazy real thing because she was there with us at the park and stuff like that happened all the time like my guides would tell me things um in 6th grade I was an academic olympian <laughs> like all very wow. studious good nerds and I went to a magnet school for sixth grade, which was for like bright kids in the city that I'm from. And so it was all, we were all crazy and competitive and we had to like compete against it. Like everyone in my class wanted to be an academic Olympian. Like, where does that happen? Nowhere. But at Jacob at magnet school. Anyway, so we, I was sitting there and this was one of the most surreal experiences of my life. And I didn't even like, I didn't it almost still just seems so crazy. The night that the, or the, the day of the, um, two things happened. One was that in the trials, like when we were all getting like tested to figure out who's going to be able to be on the team, a question was asked and I knew I didn't know the answer. And I knew a I have a very photographic memory. I remember I retain a ton of information, um, my great-grandfather, the one who came here from Erin, learned how to read and write in the sand on the incoming tide, um, because that was a way to not have a paper trail of, because Irish people were not allowed to learn how to read and write, and so I could, he remembered, the reason he knew how to read and write is because he could remember it all, and so I have a really good memory, but I knew, I knew I didn't know the answer to some question, and then all of a sudden, the answer was just in my head, and I was like, I don't think I where did that come from? Like, I don't think I knew that, you know, I was like, I don't know. And I just had this like push. It was like, just say it just like whatever we were. I don't know if we were ringing bells or raising our hands or whatever, but like my guides, now I understand they were like, just that's the answer, say the answer. And so I said the answer and I was really nervous and I felt almost like I was like, is that really like even fair? Like, you know, whatever, where this information just like popped into my brain, Um, but it was correct. And, um, and it happened again, the day that we were actually at that, like, I would just kind of like, I just, and I, I guess as a grown up I now understand that that was because I was always really tapped into the Akashic records.
0: Wow. Okay. So before you get further, I love this story. Okay. One, first off, I think it's hilarious, but amazing that you were like, I'm going to go catch a pigeon. Okay. I just, I did. here <laughs> like, Here it is. And like, you know, and, and that you also like helped save this animal that needed help and, you know, medical and everything. That's so cool. So you spoke about like, light like codes. I know what you're speaking about. Several people here may or may not. Can you go into a little bit about what like codes are and what that means? And then go into what you were just saying about the Akashic records. Cause I would love for you to kind of further explain that to those that are maybe listening and are like, huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would love to. So, so the
1: the light codes are just so remarkably beautiful. Um, light language reminds me of that. Um, you know, there are people who channel from like Pentecostal churches and things, and the spirit literally moves through them, and that's what light language is in in many ways. In my opinion, it's like essentially a transmission right from like the heart of Prime Creator, and it's a language that we all speak it is, there are, it's in all of our hearts. There are a lot of different dialects of it. Um, It's interesting to listen to different people channel light language because a lot of times I'll be like, oh, that's like, I know that dialect. Like, yeah, 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 that, that thing. Like there are all, there's like what I call like the whisper version. And, you know, there, they, there are just like certain things that, a really consistent from like a sound perspective, it does sound kind. Of, it sounds like elegant gibberish in a lot of ways, and um, it's hyper powerful. It moves at a pace because it comes right from the heart of the divine. It moves at a speed that we don't even understand yet, and so I have like I have a forty-two second long channeled light language healing that's an intergenerational healing and. Every client that I've ever had who did it had some like wild, profound, remarkable experience. And I was interviewed last week on a podcast and um, I had one of the women was not familiar with my work. The other person is a friend of mine. And she played this light language healing for her her business partner right like a couple days before. And she told me that she had an amazing story to share with me, but she was going to wait until we recorded the episode. And I was like, okay, cool. So while we're t- we and in- we're doing the recording, and she was like, okay, I can't wait. Like here, here's what happened. And she played this light language healing for her um, for her friend Lauren. And Lauren lives in New Zealand, and she looked outside, and there were there was a pod of dolphins. And one of the things I had written, and she lives like off of an estuary, which is not a place, I guess, that dolphins would normally go. She listened to this light language healing. And I swear to God, they like heard her and they were like, you are our family. Whoa. I ended up seeing a bunch of really surreal things, but in the, it was wild. Cause she was like out loud to my friend Nadia. She was like, Oh my God, there's like a pot of dolphins outside. And Nadia was like, That's so crazy. That's one of the things that someone like in, when I send it to people, I send instructions and, you know, a sort of heads up about like, what could happen? Like, here's some things that happened to people when they did this. And one of the things that someone who had done it had experienced were this wild experience where she channeled dolphin energy. And so it was funny because she had just read that and she was like, wait, no way. There are actually dolphins like outside of your house right now after we played this light language. So it also is because it is a language of the heart. Animals completely understand it. Trees, like the plants and the animals and the earth herself, it's a way that you can communicate. And it does, it sounds kind of silly, but it is hyper, hyper powerful. And that 42 second long healing is one of the most powerful healings that I've ever channeled.
0: Wow. I mean, I I was just kind of sitting here like, okay, so dolphins, like channeling, I mean, clearly, like I said, guys, like, hope you're, hope you're sitting down. This is not your uh, typical conversation, (laughs) (laughs) but it's so rad. I mean, I, I love that you're like, Hey, like there were the dolphins. I mean, because animals are so sensitive, right? Like animals and babies and kids, like they have no filter. They have no blockage. They're, you know, very much come from you know, God and spirit, and there's nothing messing with them. And there's nothing to, you know, fuck with what they're thinking or how they're feeling. They just are, they just are exactly what, you know, God, you know, had them, you know, become, and they just exist. Whereas us, obviously, as we get older, and we get conditioned and go through so much and program, and now all these things we're waking up to, there's so much to it. And so it's, it's crazy when you say that about dolphins, but at the same time, it's like, Well, yeah, because animals and kids and babies are all the same. They have that same gift, that same openness that they don't look at anything in any other way. It's just, this is what it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like in a lot of ways, you know, my entire life, like people have been like, oh, you are just like irritatingly optimistic. Like I've, I've had former bosses, literally, I had a former boss write into a re- review of mine that I was a Pollyanna. And I was like, Oh my God. Like you are so irritated by how positive I am. And I, and I've never been one to like spiritually bypass stuff. Like I am genuinely hyper enthusiastic. And I also am very real about what it is like to be on this planet. This planet is hard and it is a place of profound opportunity, but in many ways we see it. We see it everywhere. We see it in our own lives. When people get too comfortable, they lose. They can lose touch with, with the reality of, of what it means to really be self-sovereign. And I think in a lot of ways, we're really witnessing that come up now. You know, we, 2020 brought a huge spiritual crisis to the surface in a way that, you know, I had a friend of mine last year say to me that, she had never had the kind of opportunity that, that unfortunately, like the, everything that rolled out last year provided to her to go inward. And I remember her looking at me, we were on a walk and she was like, I mean, I've never experienced so much time to go inward. Like, have you? And I was like, well, yes, because you know, I've had a meditation practice forever. So, yes, but I'm also, it was, I know it was not an easy time for so many people. And I don't want to like negate that. But I think in a lot of ways, it really did provide an opportunity for a lot, a lot of people. And we're just going to keep it, keep seeing it happen, right? Like we're just at the precipice of whatever we're witnessing from like a social, rebirth. Uh, so it is, it's all, it's super interesting. And I, I just, I feel really, I feel like that. And the reason that all that came up when you were talking about like babies and kids and dolphins is because even though my life has been really, really, really fucking hard in a lot of ways, my life was always really full of joy because I had that connection to the earth and to the animals. And I genuinely love it here. Like, it's really hard to be a person. I'm not going to like pretend that it's not. And if people start working with me, like I I have um, a friend who did a a business, like a branding overview for me. uh, I think it was at the end of last year. And she was like, that is, in my opinion, one of your greatest gifts is that you don't sugarcoat this. You don't pretend that this is going to be easy or that the spiritual journey is even going to be, it is wildly fun. And it opens you up to Boundless opportunity, but it's gonna kick you in the butt over and over and over again, and you're gonna be like, "Okay, I've like really, I think I really got a handle on like my ish over there in that corner," and then the world is like, "Oh, you're so cute over there with your thinking that that thing is done." Like, oh, you really thought that was over? No, it's like, like you have a hundred thousand more layers that you have to go through, and 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 so I've been able to like keep my eye on the the prize in a lot of ways. Right. And, and I know that I've always also, because I've lived through so much trauma been really inspiring to even before I started doing this work professionally, you know, people were always like, wow, your story really like gives me hope. And, and I, and I also comes back to this thing of like, I wouldn't change anything that happened to me because if this is where I get to land, where like my job gets to be to lead people on a spiritual journey and basically help people remember that, I mean, it sounds so corny, but like love is the currency that we need. And that childlike delight and that sense of joy, I I always knew
0: that that was like the ticket to success was to foster that no matter what happened. Wow. it's so powerful. And I love that you shared that about, you know, even in the darkest times, you chose joy and how important that was to you, because I think that it's really easy, right, to become the victim in your own life. It's really easy to just choose, which clearly our collective has for a while, to just be the victim. I'm the victim of this. I'm the victim of that. I'm the, you know, this is happening to me, not actually happening for me. And I think when we start to really Look at the universe and really trust in God and source and say, but the universe loves me and is going to take care of me. And you know, if I trust and I allow myself to go through this journey of trust and to give myself over a little bit instead of just trying to control everything and be a victim and say, I you know, I need to know this and I need to know that. You know, I think as humans, I'm so guilty of this until the last few years. Like I had to control everything and anything. And I had to know every single thing that was coming, even if I didn't know what was coming. And it was at my detriment. It was making me insane. It was making me completely not present, unavailable, just depressed, emotional. I mean, like the list goes on. I just wasn't even aware of how much I was making myself a victim and just spiraling out of control. And I also love what you said about, you know, 2020, you know, this time, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people on my show and off my show is, of course, we never want to take away from how heavy it's been for so many and how so much has happened and changed in our world. But at the same time, I do believe and feel for those that have been open and have been willing, like your friend, to go on a spiritual journey and go inward and use this time to really learn themselves, love themselves, love themselves, do the work, you know, move through shadows and see things in a different light. I think for the people that have done that are continuing to do that right now and awaken. It's hard. Like you said, it was hard for me too. still is, but it really does open up a whole new world and portal of opportunities and of self-growth and involvement. And it changes really, at least for me, who you are. Like all of a sudden, it's kind of crazy because I look at myself and I'm like, wow, I don't even recognize the person I look at in pictures in the last few years. Like I'm like, wait, who is that woman? Like who, who is she? And I laugh because part of me is like, well, I know who she is, but like, I really don't recognize her or resonate with her anymore. But then I look at myself now and I'm like, wow, it's so crazy. Some of the conversations you're having and the things you're talking about. But at the same time, I feel so authentically me so much myself, It's just like what you just said, that joy, that choosing joy and that lightfulness that you feel within that, it's just such a different experience. And I guess it's hard to explain like for us when we articulate it, because it's like unless you're doing the work and you are experiencing this and going inward, you really don't know what we're really talking about. It kind of sounds like another language.
1: It does. I
0: remember
1: I was in... I want to say I was like just out of college, so I had learned when I was in high school. I was part of like a pilot program to treat anxiety using meditation. I grew up near um, John Cabot Zinn. I would imagine you know of him. He. Really helped to bring meditation to like the Western world. He did his research at the medical school that was in the city that I grew up in. And so they did a test, a, a pilot program that I was the only teenager in. It was grown-ups and me. And it was on how to like manage anxiety naturally using meditation. And that was when I started to realize, like, oh, I wouldn't say it's easy for me, but I also understand I've been doing this my entire life. Like I was like, okay. Um, and then a couple of years later when I was in college, I learned how to do, um, oh God, I love him so much. Uh, there is this wonderful teacher named Dranvala Melchizedek. He started, um, he wrote a series of books called The Flower of Life. He teaches this really profound kind of meditation that was very, very like heavy process oriented. And it involved eye movements to stimulate your pineal gland and breath and mudras. And I learned how to do that when I was a senior in college. So I was, in some ways, I was like living a double life, right? Like I was like, on the one hand, I was this really bubbly nerd (laughs) was going to Wesleyan University, which is in many ways a weird place. You know, there is a lot of beauty to it, but it's also a very like linear hyperlogical place in a lot of ways. And I was certainly having a very different spiritual experience than most people. I pretty quickly realized that when, you know, I would be like, oh yeah, no, like I've always believed in God. Like, what do you mean you're an atheist? Like, I was like, I don't, there was a lot of confusion between me and the rest of the world because I was like I don't really get what other people are doing and and my stepfather I remember saying to him once and this like was a real like light dawning on Marblehead moment for me where I said to him I was like you know that moment when like you are just perfectly I don't even remember what I said but I was something like you know those moments when you're like in meditation or you're quiet with yourself and you just like totally tap into God and the universe and you just like know that you're part of something really big, you know. And he was like, uh, I have never experienced that. And I was like, huh, <laughs> Like I was like, okay, like other people are not having the same experience <laughs> as me. Which um, which yeah, it was. It's hard. It's hard to explain it to people in a lot of ways because like you said, unless you're showing up and doing the work, all the talk in the world cannot explain what it feels like to be in tune with the quantum field, which is like the most miraculous thing that I feel like, you know, from a 5D and beyond perspective that we can really experience it. It feels for me, it's certainly, I've lived in seven states. I love everywhere I've ever lived, but I've never felt particularly at home anywhere on this planet. Like I'm kind of, home, you know, I can fit in anywhere, but like I've never really felt like I belonged in a lot of ways, like I felt like an outsider and I knew that there were ways because I was always part of academic and punk and artistic communities Where spirituality was not like a a big part of that from a collective perspective, I had to keep a lot of it to myself. And again, it's not that my friends didn't know, but it's just that like that wasn't part of what we got into. And I knew that when I started doing this as a job, that it my life was going to change, and that there were gonna be a lot of people that I really loved who did not understand what I was doing. It's one thing to be the weirdo you know, anomalous person in a friend group who everyone's just kind of like, okay, whatever you over there with your talk about God and talking to the birds and the animals or whatever, (laughs) whatever. It's another thing entirely to be that person who has a platform and has a business. And this is my job. You know, I'm like angels and aliens, like here we are. And, and talking about that, you know, being like, I channel Archangel Sandolphin, who's the angel of music. I channel our, the Arcturian High Council. I channel Pleiadians. I channel all kinds of information. I have A wild connection to spirit, and and I really can just do so much and help people really ground into that for themselves. Like that is one of the greatest gifts I can give people is that when I work with people, I help people to remember what they're capable of because we forget, right? I mean, it's like whatever being a human is completely insane, it's exhausting and hard, and people have kids and children and all a billion different kinds of struggles, right? And the the real trick about being in a human body is that, and this ties back to what you were talking about, is that we cannot perceive ourselves as victims, because when we do fall out of alignment and forget that things are happening for us, at, like you perfectly said, things are happening for us, not to us. And I, I mean, my life was in shambles for a very long time, even though I was also deeply spiritually gifted. Like my life was a trademark because I wasn't listening.
0: Right. Well, <laughs> you, I mean, yeah. Well, and I mean, that was me as well. Like you're not listening and it's like, you don't realize you're not listening until all of a sudden, like everything's a shit show. And you're like, Hmm, something's <laughs> working here. <laughs> But okay, there's so much Mm -hmm. I want to go into. But first off, you touched on the quantum field, you talked about doing the work and that journey. Obviously, that could be a whole another episode. But could you give a little bit of perspective for those that are trying to understand this or those that maybe want to go deeper in that realm? Like, what is the quantum field to you? And what would you share as far as you're concerned? And even like they came to you, you know, to hire you to, you know, work with them. Like when you say do the work, what does that look like in short to you? I think, okay. So the quantum field is,
1: is just, it's like the very essence of life and it's all around us and it runs through us. And it's the, fabric of reality in this way that humans do not yet understand. Um, Barbara Handclough is an amazing Pleiadian channel. She's an astrologer. She has a book that's called The Alchemy of Nine Dimensions and she had written a book years prior which was um, called The Pleiadian Agenda and then this follow-up book was a scientific analysis of the dimensions. So like, she basically took the information that she had been told in the Pleiadian agenda, and then was able to like, right, because we're like learning so much about sciences, like be moving to a place where a lot of this stuff that was like believed to be quackery for a long time, right? Like spring theory and all of this stuff was like not necessarily accepted. But the more that time moves on, the more we are uncovering that this stuff is real. And that all of the things that indigenous cultures always knew can be backed up by science like meditation changes our brains we know that harvard has studied it it has been proven that it changes our brains and and that and that like leads directly into what i would say like for people who are ready to do the work no matter where you are on the journey and i forget like or you know whatever i forget i have bad days like i fall out of practice myself but so do i you have to, you have to figure out what your type of meditation is. And I think a lot of people get really hung up on, you know, they sort of see they're like, Oh, meditation. Like I have to be sitting perfectly still and like, you know, doing hand movements and all of this stuff. And how am I ever going to be able to do that? And, and like, to me, and I mean, no disrespect to Buddhism at all, but like, to me, the point of being a human is not to completely clear your brain out. Like, We can do that in spirit. What we need to do is figure out how to synthesize that with being in 3D. And so for me, like one of the most important things that I really work with people is what does your kind of meditation look like? For some people it's cooking, for some people it's art, for some people it's sitting in the like very traditional meditative pose. There's so many, like some people get it through movement. I feel like if people could figure out and that takes some trial and error, right? Like you have to be willing to show up for yourself and also be okay, like failing. I think is is really, really like having a spiritual experience is very humbling because you're like, wow, I am a mess. And even like I have the highest as tested by a a Neo assessment, which is like a scientific. um, Yeah. what I had a Neo assessment, my spiritual capacity is like as high as it could possibly be. But that doesn't mean that my life has been easy, or that I get to skate through things. You know, like there are just these ways that we have to really just be okay being uncomfortable. And I think that that is like a lot of the spiritual journey is you have to look at some hard truths about yourself, about our culture, about the ways that we have been taught to become so disconnected.
0: Okay, guys, that was part one. There's probably going to be two or three parts to this. We had a very long conversation, and I want you guys to really be tuned in. It's so incredible when you get to hear this entire conversation between us. Hope it really intrigued you, makes you think, uh, makes you get outside the box, question everything, really tap into your own heart and soul and your own light within you, I felt like this conversation was so good for humanity and like just really hoping to rattle some things inside everybody, to be quite honest. Um, So I hope that this does that for you. If it doesn't resonate, feel free, as always, to throw it away. But if it does, please feel free to reach out to me and share that feedback and check out Andrea as well. Everything's in the show notes as always. And we will be back after Labor Day weekend, after the holiday, and uh, we'll have part two then. So guys, thanks so much for listening. And Have a great weekend and tap into yourself. Tap into who you were before anyone told you who you were and keep shining. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe. Tune in weekly for new episodes and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.